0: Without further ado, would you give a big big Trinity welcome to Steven Tipps from Project Rescue? What is up, Trinity? How are you today? You doing alright? That was horrible. Some of you, I guess, forgot to have your coffee on the way in this morning. I'm sure there's some here in the building. You might want to slip out and grab some real quick. Um, So I want to tell you a little bit about Project Rescue. I know Pastor Anthony has been talking about us for the last couple of weeks. But at Project Rescue, what we do is we exist to rescue and restore victims of sexual slavery through the love and the power of God. That, that is what we do, and that is, it sounds really great in that brief little sentence, but it is a work that is difficult. It is something that is not, it's not easy. The story of Project Rescue is one of partnership on many levels. We partner with men and women around the globe who are on the front lines of this battle, and our ministry site leaders are compassionate. And determined people. We partner with women who have been rescued, who are now, this is awesome, and this is what happens when you have a ministry that's been around for 27 years like Project Rescue has been. Those women are now helping rescue other women, and that is a cool thing to see. We partner with national church leadership who have a heart for the broken in their countries. And let me go a step further. We do not go anywhere unless we have a local church that we are partnering with, and unless we have local people that are involved in doing the work. Because if we just send in Americans into those places and then eventually those Americans leave, then that ministry no longer exists. But if we partner with the local folks, and with local churches, that is a sustainable model that will go on forever. We partner with organizations and ministries that are committed to rescuing women and children from sexual slavery, and we partner with supporting churches like Trinity, because we cannot do what we do around the globe without you. It's impossible. It's an impossibility. Um, so thank you. Um, I I spent 30 years as a pastor before joining the project rescue team Um, and I can tell you from being in many of our sites around the world there are women today and there are children today that have a chance to spend eternity with us because of generous people around the globe that have given for a simple chance for them to get out of what they have been brought into As pastor Anthony said my name is Stephen and I have the honor of serving as the chief operating officer for Project Rescue and today what I would like to do is take you to one of the countries where we operate is the country of Spain. Now when I say Spain, some of you immediately are like, that's on my bucket list. I would like to go there someday. And it's it's beautiful, the history is amazing. They have these things called tapas. Man, they're good. And I've heard the beaches are amazing, and I've heard, and I've heard, and I've heard. heard. But I would like to show you also there's, um, to all the glamor, to all the beautiful things that are in Spain, there's also a dark side. To what happens there in the country. Spain is actually known as the brothel of Europe. The trafficking of women and girls into the country of Spain is actually an epidemic. Um, it is estimated there are over 600,000 people that are trafficked through Spain annually. Just to give you a glimpse, there are only 50 million people that live in the entire country. 600,000 are trafficked through Spain a year. Do that quick math. Of those 600,000, half of those 300,000 is through forced prostitution. Have a picture of the red light district in Spain. I was just there three weeks ago. It's an industrial park, it's literally a drive through prostitution. I sat in a van with a team, we allowed our women to go onto the streets and do ministry and detection and things like that and to reach out and make connection and relationship with some of these, uh, the, the sexual slaves that are on the street. And I sat there and had what I can only describe as a holy anger moment. I stopped counting cars way past 100 that just kept passing our vans they would drive in they would stop they would pick who they wanted the transaction would happen and they would go away it's sickening The mafia in Spain makes billions of dollars a year on prostitution. No one knows the exact amount, but we've seen estimates as high as 28 billion dollars a year is made in the prostitution side of the trafficking that happens in Spain. 28 billion. Just for perspective, that's 5 billion more than McDonald's made last year. Worldwide. That's 8 billion more than Marriott Hotels made in their more than 7,000 locations worldwide. One country, one place. Today I want to tell you the story of Amy. Amy is one of the women in our home in Spain. And I want you to watch this and see her story.
1: so many stories that we could tell but another girl who has really come through in an amazing way is Amy and she's from Nigeria and she as well came from a typical situation of just extreme poverty which um, makes girls believe in the dream to come to Europe to have a good job she thought she was coming to Spain to be a nanny uh, when she arrived here, um, she discovered as well that it was sexual exploitation. And they would tell her, you know, if you don't do as we say, your family will die, you as well will be killed. She really believed that she was going to die there in the streets in prostitution. When we met her, we found a completely destroyed woman, both emotionally, spiritually and physically. We detected that she was a victim and asked if she would speak to the police. She agreed and she was freed from the detention centre, came into the New Beginnings home. And her story is just amazing of a complete restoration, and that today she's actually, just as the Bible says, is more than a conqueror. She's conquered fear. She's conquered um, so many things in her life. So you can just see she's just happy now with her present and has hope and, and big dreams for her future. And she's actually now a helper here in the home and can help a lot of other, other girls that once, um, as they come in the home, you know, she says to them, this was, this was me uh, some months ago, a couple of years ago. And yet now uh, God has changed my life.
0: Director Fiona and her staff are an amazing team of dedicated people that are helping people other people women children find the freedom um, as Fiona kind of said in that piece um, there are literally women that come through Spain from all over the world um, because of Spain's location and its geography thousands come from Africa but thousands also come from South and Central America and from Eastern the Eastern Bloc, um, and so the the work there is unbelievable C- girls again come from all over the world thinking as as Fiona said thinking they're coming to be a nanny or to work in a hotel they, they think they are getting out of the life that they were in the poverty that they were stuck in and they think they're they're gonna make it only to find out and have their papers taken and stolen and to be enslaved. One of the first girls that came to one of our centers in Spain, she was an 18-year-old from Paraguay, and our team visited her in a detection center. And as they tried to talk to her, she was just empty. She didn't want to respond. And Fiona, who you just saw in a video, just simply asked this young lady. She said, "Do you believe in God?" At that the girl looked up huge eyes began to cry and she said last night at one o'clock in the morning there was a man it was on top of me and he had a knife to my throat and he just simply said this is going to be the last thing that you ever remember and she said in my heart I called out to God she said I just said God if you're there help at that exact second police came through the door grabbed the man took him away and took this young lady to the detection center yeah it's a cool thing but what's even better she said I don't know if I believe in God But when you ask me the question, do I believe in God? I called out to him last night in a moment of life and death. And here you are today. You see those women, those children, they're calling out and they're crying out for freedom. They're calling out for rescue. I was just in Madrid three weeks ago and I was at our Project Rescue home there in Madrid and I met with some of those girls who have been rescued, literally, again, from all over the world. My, my wife Amber and I and our team that we took, we, we, you can see the transformation in the eyes. It is says that the eyes are the path to the soul. You've heard that said. And I've seen girls when they first get to the home and they are literally, the only way I can describe it is they're a walking dead person because there's no life there but then you go back a few months later and you see just a glimmer and you go back a few weeks later or months later and you see a light that has come on inside of them because not only do we treat them medically and we and we treat them and give them food and give them a place to live and their own bed where only they sleep but we introduce them to Jesus and that changes everything this will give you just a glimpse of what that looks like so watch this like him there is no one like our Jesus see because just just weeks before they were stuck in something they had no way out but now they can sing of the glory of a God that rescued them out of the mire that rescued them out of the mud and they are now in a place of freedom it is an amazing thing and that's why today your miracle Sunday is such a big deal Trinity this is a big thing and I'm so thrilled by what you're doing this year I love the challenge that's been set before you and to be a part of changing the world around you right here in Baltimore but all around the world that is a really amazing thing pastor Anthony said this you can be a part of someone else's miracle how cool is that sometimes we get so stuck we're kind of in this myopic kind of situation where we're stuck in our little circle right and we we lose sight of what's around us and the part that we can play pastor Anthony also says this God is worthy people are waiting and you are capable we are capable together God is calling us all to do what we can, and this is not about equal gifts, because we can't all do the same thing, but it is about equal sacrifice. And I, can I tell you today that God wants us all to be apart. That was a really long introduction, I've gotta pray. Father God, we love you. We are so thrilled to be in your house today, to be your people, and God, literally right now, I even just want to um, take a step back. Father, I want you to step forward. Lord, do what only you can do in this place today. It's not Stephen's words that matter, but it's your word that speaks through. God, it's your word that penetrates minds and hearts. And so do that today, I pray in your name. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about this. I want to talk to you about the, the, the thought of more. More. Now, some of you immediately are thinking right now, well, that sounds about right. Pastor invited in this guy from the outside, and he just wants to get in my pocket. And you're absolutely right. Sort of. Sort of. Um, This is not about Project Rescue. Although what you're going to do today is going to benefit Project Rescue. It's going to help rescue women and children out of sexual slavery. That is huge. But it's about so much more than that. I want to talk to you first about this story that's found in 2 Kings chapter 13. This is Elisha's final prophecy. And we're starting at verse 14. It's kind of a long text. It says this, when Elisha was in in his last illness. King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, open that eastern window. And he opened it. And he said, shoot. And he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Aram, for you will completely conquer their minions at Apec. Then he said, now pick up the other arrows, verse 18, and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God, Elisha, It says the man of God was angry with him you should have struck the ground five or six times he exclaimed then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed now you will only be victorious three times so here is Elisha he is literally on his deathbed the king comes to visit him and Elisha gives him two commands he tells him two things number one He tells him to shoot the arrow. And number two, he says, take the remaining arrows and hit the ground. And it's funny to me that Elisha gets upset with the king because he didn't tell the king how many times to hit the ground. He just tells him to hit the ground. So the king probably thinks, I'm doing pretty good. I hit the ground three times. Only for Elisha to get really upset. And say, if you could have just done a little bit more. King, can't you do just a little bit more than three? Can't you do more than that? And Trinity, I believe that this is a question from God's heart. See, the Christian church at its inception, to me, this was one of those key questions that Jesus brought to every person that he met Can't you do more? He asked, for them to participate, he asked for them to be a part of what he was doing. That concept of more. Do you have a neighbor today that just might need Jesus? Do you have that coworker that might be asking questions of faith and you've stayed quiet? Students, do you have a friend? on campus that just more than anything they desperately need jesus you know pastor anthony and candace they asked if uh if i could help in kids area and uh asked me to help once a month seriously trinity can't can't you do a little better than that Can't you do more than that? Because see, those kids need to hear about our Jesus. Can't you do twice a month? In 2 Peter 2.5, it says this, that he, God, did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but he protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness. And then in Hebrews 11 and 7, it says this, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world. And became heir to the righteousness that is keeping with faith. But think about this real quick. The story of Noah in the book of Genesis. The first book of the Old Testament. Some of us know it very, very well. But I'm going to do a little quiz real quick. How many many of you know how old Noah was when he started building the ark? Anyone? Not, not, Not bad. He was 400. Most people say he was 400 years old when he started building the ark. I mean, I just wanna just think about that just for a second. I hate giving away my age, I'm a 52 year old man that when I got out of bed this morning, the first step that I took was, mm. you know what I mean? Some of you hear me, some of you don't understand it. you'll get there. That second step was, mm. Things start to move, it gets a little easier, you get the hot shower, that helps. Noah was 400 years old, and God asked him to build a big boat. How about this, how many know how long it took for Noah to build the ark? A 100 years. So Noah was old when he started building the boat, but he was really old when he was finished. But then it's not done. See, then God says, now I need you to go gather the animals. Now all of us have seen this in movies and it's just, you know, animals of animals, boy and girl animal of each kind, just just walking in on their own accord, we're here to get in the boat. Come on. That is not the way that happens. We all understand that. At least I don't think so. Maybe I'm wrong. Um. My my daughter and and her husband, our son-in-law, um, this year got a dog. His name is Otis. There's going to be a picture of Otis um, on the screen here. He looks cute. He is not. (laughs) This is literally, I think, this is the day they got him. I think this is literally the only time I've seen him sit. He's crazy, like legit bounce off the walls, nuts all the time. One day they were over at the house and uh, I, not thinking that I had a puppy in the house, I opened a sliding glass door. Otis was gone. I mean, he he went out that door faster than I could blink. He uh, a couple of details I didn't mention. It was pouring rain outside. We don't have a fence. Mm. I ran and chased Otis. Oh, and I mentioned I'm 52 years old. For 45 minutes, Otis and I ran around in the rain together. He wouldn't stop, he wouldn't listen. And I think about Noah and I think every animal of every kind, and scripture says both male and female. Now the females may have listened, you see, but come on now that was funny at least i thought it was when i okay um but see every step along the way god kept asking noah to do a little bit more the next thing the next thing let me ask you this what if some of the disciples that walked with jesus would have said that they didn't want to do a little bit more what if dr luke would have said you know Matthew did a great job writing his account, and I'm just the doctor, not a writer, so I'm just going to let Matthew's account stand. Well, if Luke would have done that, today we would not know about the Good Samaritan. Think about it. Matthew didn't write about it. Mark didn't say anything. John, nothing. We wouldn't know the parable of the rich fool. We wouldn't know the story of the wedding guest. We wouldn't know the story of opportunity where he had to go and knock. We wouldn't know the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Matthew, nothing. Mark, didn't say a word. John, nope. Without Luke, and I think this one was important to Luke because of his position. We wouldn't know the story about the little boy that was raised from the dead. Because, see, that day, Luke, a physician, got to see the great physician do his work. Or how about this? And we would not have the story about the prodigal son. And if you've been around church for a long time, you probably think, well, the prodigal son's in every It's in every one of the Gospels nope it's only in Luke and if Luke would have said I'm just a doctor I'm not a writer I'm just gonna do gonna let the others take this one then we wouldn't know any of those truths see God is asking can't we do a little bit more can't we give more of our time can't we care a little bit more can't we love just a little bit more? Can't we share more of what God has given us? How about this, the disciple John? If John would have said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, they they all did a great job. I'm just gonna let the three gospels stand on their own. Today we would not know, in the beginning was the word. Think about it. We would not know today that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We would not have that account. If he would have said, I, I can't share any more than my friends did. We would not know today that we must be born again. We would not know that we must worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. We would not know about the living waters or about the abundant life where we can have it and we can have it to the full. We would not have the parable of the good shepherd and we would not know that we need to love God and keep his commands right there in the book of John. I'm here to tell you today that if you are a follower of Jesus, There is a great responsibility on your life to do what God is calling you to do. See, he wants you to be a part of the story. Can he do it without you? Yep, and he will. But boy, the story is way better. It's way more complete if we all do what he has called us to do. Without John, we wouldn't know that greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for a friend. We would not have known about Jesus, the comforter. We would not have heard the story about the pool of Bethesda, the blind man who had his sight restored. And finally, we wouldn't even have the story of Lazarus. The first three guys didn't say anything. Lazarus is one of his best friends. Only John told the story. Church, I believe that this is for someone here today, or maybe it's for many of us here today, that God is waiting for us to do what only we can do. And Jesus modeled that for us in Scripture. See, he invited people to be his disciples. But that required action on their part. It required them leaving what they knew and following him. How about the the woman of ill repute? She had to take the next step because Jesus told her, now go and sin no more. How about the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000? You talked about it just, just a few moments ago. First, they had to go find a little boy that had a sack lunch with him that day. But then even after that, they had to do more and go and gather up all the leftovers. See, it's that, 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 that concept of more. The entire Gospels can be kind of summarized into doing more from Matthew 7, 7 and 8, where it says, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who who, who asks receives everyone everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open action next action next action we are invited to be a part of the story God the Father invites us to be a part For some of you in this room today, you might need to preach a little bit more. For some of you, you might need to give some of your resources. Some of you might need to share your faith more. And some of you might need to step into what God has right in front of you. You know what it is. Some of you might need to write more. Some of you might need to give some more of your calendar to him. You might need to love more. But I ask this, can't we do more than just come through these doors once a week and then just tick the box like done? God wants more of that from us. 27 years ago, David and Beth Grant, the founders of Project Rescue were missionaries in southern Asia when they got a call in the middle of the night from a, a coworker and the question was can you help us rescue 37 little girls out of the red light district 37 little girls ages 4 to 12 without thinking david just said yes <laughs> now i'm an operations guy and when I hear that story still today I immediately think what are you thinking we've got to have a plan we gotta have resources we've got to do this we have to have a structure and systems we have to have all these things in place before we can take in 37 little girls do you understand what that's going to mean they just said a simple yes And here we are 27 years later Project rescue is now my slides wrong. I forgot to change this. We are now in 15 countries. We have more than 30 acute care homes in those countries. And last year alone. We ministered to over 60,000 women and children. And I said we on purpose. Because, see, you, Trinity, are playing a part in touching those lives. You have an amazing thing that was broken down for you just a couple of weeks ago. I watched it online. Pastor Anthony sent it to me. Because if every giving unit here at Trinity, 700 of you, from what I understand, giving units gives $3.06 a day for the next 42 days, that's $128 per family. Together, you're gonna raise $90,000. That's awesome. Because now there may be one person in this room could do that all by yourself. But see, we all get to be a part of something. We all get to be a part of the miracle. That not only is blessing Project Rescue, but it's blessing Burkina Faso. It is making a reach around the world. It is blessing Baltimore and Baltimore County. It is doing things. It is being active. It's doing more. I want to close with this thought. I have a question. Do you want to know the will of God for your life? Then ask this question What ignites your heart? Another way to say it, where, where does passion come from for you? Is it forgotten orphans or untouched nations? Is it the inner city? I implore you today I beg of you today to listen to that voice within you listen to that fire within you because if you have a passion to sing then I tell you sing with everything that you have if if you're if you're stirred to manage today then I tell you to manage well do you ache for the ill today for the sick then I tell you to treat them do you hurt for the lost then go reach them see when I was a young man I felt a call to preach and not sure if this was this calling I felt was correct I I sought some counsel from a wise man my dad And his counsel still rings true to me, even though he's been gone for four years. It still rings really true to me because he said, Stephen, don't preach unless you have to. Don't preach unless you have to. Because see, he had been a pastor and a missionary for, at that point, 30 plus years, 40 maybe at that point. my answer was this dad I've got to otherwise this passion inside of me is going to consume me another way to say it is this church I I answered with that I have to do more because more people need to know about my Jesus more people need to be rescued more people need to experience god's grace more people need to experience god's forgiveness they need to know his comfort they need to feel his acceptance they need to know his peace that passes all understanding they need to experience his joy and his love but to do that church
1: we all have to do more